1: Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts: Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, Pure Red Yeah, a transcend race hombre, Matt Butler. I don't talk, man. I back it up, and we are sock full of that. That's right. And Jeff Howe.
0: It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Go stone cold, sets so. up.
1: If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we have reached my favorite sports week of the year. It's Texas OU week, and on top of talking Texas OU, we get to talk about a Longhorn victory this week. The first win for the Longhorns in Big 12 play is in the books, a 38-20 win over West Virginia. We'll tidy that up and look ahead to the Sooners on this week's edition of the podcast. First off, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of of this week's presentation, and for your continued support of what we've been doing here on the Longhorn Blitz podcast for a decade now, uh, get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Search Horns twenty four seven. That's Horns two four seven. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Just click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. Don't forget to leave us a five star review and get over to Horns twenty four seven. Plenty of Texas OU content will be there throughout the week. The best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish getting you ready for everything going down inside the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Get over to Horns247.com. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru who's a tad bit under the weather right now. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Uh,
0: doing well, but my voice doesn't sound as great. Right? No need no, for a prolonged intro. It. I've been we'll there will save before. it.
1: We'll save your voice no for when on. we really need it. We got gotcha. you. Yeah, OU talk. You're like the uh, you're you're like Quinn Ewers right now, Matt. We're gonna break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> if stuff starts going off the rails, we'll bring you in the game. In. But real. not gonna not gonna wait no wasted reps for you this week, Matt. <laughs> every rep's gonna count. Uh, a man who made every rep count during his career with the Longhorns, he makes every rep count uh, each and every weekday on the horn, 1049 on AM twelve sixty on the Horn app and at Hornfm.com, co-hosting on Life from three to seven with Mike Harge, uh, but for the purposes of this, he wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, but for the purposes of this podcast, he's our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL when he was done with football. He got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers.
2: Appreciate that intro, brother, as always.
1: Rod, can you believe we're at the 20-year mark of your pick six in this game? You went down in the annals of this rivalry. Yeah, because I'm an old man now, so I can believe it. (laughs) 21 years ago, uh, as I corned, it, was the Nacho Pablo incident where to one of my buddies, I lost a bet in the 2001 game uh, when Texas lost 14-3. I had to get up and sing the OU fight song while wearing an OU shirt in the school cafeteria. (laughs) This is sad. It's how confident I was. (laughs) <laughs> this week will make you do crazy things. Oh, yeah. Uh, things sometimes you regret. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about it. But first, got to tidy up a nice win over West Virginia. And before we do that, we had some difficulties, uh, some technical difficulties on Light the Tower this week. So my five plays that made a difference in the game, not a lot of people heard them. And I don't want to break down all of them. But it really points to where I wanted to start with this game, Man, which is the Texas defense. You talk about getting yourself turned around by and large. Uh, they did it. Three of my plays, actually, uh, yeah, three of my plays were defensive plays. West Virginia's first drive, they have a third and nine. Texas brings a five-man pressure. DeMarvian Overshone forces an incomplete pass. Defense gets off the field. West Virginia's second drive, they have a third and two. Anthony Cook playing tight coverage. A little bit of a late throw by JT Daniels. Nonetheless, he jars the ball loose from the Mm -hmm. tight end, brings up a fourth down. Again, Ryan Watts playing tight coverage. Ball's thrown a little bit behind Bryce Ford Wheaton, but Watts is in a position where he can recover, make the PBU. Defense gets off the field on fourth down, and then you go to the third quarter. The Deshaun Jamison PBU on a third and 12 might have been the best defensive individual play in that game, but two plays before that, Baron Sorrell records a sack that brings up a second and 15 before that third and 12. Baron Sorrell, guys, three sacks already this season through five games. That puts him ahead of where Ben Davis was for the team lead all of last season there you go so
2: strides baby baby
1: steps and rod uh rod i'll start with you because i want to say matt's voice matt if you want to chime in feel free uh but rod i think the difference was and we talked about this there's a difference between getting pressure and throwing stuff at a quarterback that can make it tough for him to tell where the pressure's coming from really discombobulate him they did that with jt daniels 25 percent pressure rate for texas now, I want to go through the pressure rates this season, and I think you'll see the one that stands out when Texas stopped bringing a lot of pressure. And it's one of those deals. don't think you'll see much of it this week against Oklahoma. At least I'm not anticipating it. But there will be some teams in the Big 12 where you do have to deal with a quarterback that brings a true live dual threat element to the table. Against ULM, your blitz rate was about 29%. Uh, against Alabama, against Bryce Young, about a 32.6% blitz rate. We know how effective the blitzes were in that Alabama game. Against UTSA, again, yes, Bryce Young is mobile, but Alabama doesn't have a lot of design runs called for him like UTSA does with Frank Harris. The blitz rate in the UTSA game drops down to 22.4%, and it was only that high because when Eddie Lee Marburger was in the game at the end, he had six dropbacks. You blitzed him on four of them. Yeah. So that's even kind of skewed a little bit. Then you go to Texas Tech, face Donovan Smith, Blitz rate drops, so it's 32.6 against Bryce Young. Your blitz rate against Donovan Smith drops all the way down to 19.7%, and then you're back up to 25% this week because we know JT Daniels doesn't pose much of a run threat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, Rod, I just like the fact that they threw different looks at him. Uh, If you look at JT Daniels when, when blitzed in that game, if you look at the PFF numbers, It was his lowest average depth of target for his receivers. The NFL passer rating wasn't great. We talked about it going in last week. His NFL passer rating, basically from when he wasn't blitzed to when he was blitzed, was more than cut in half. Mm -hmm. And I think that made it – because we know – go back to Washington, man. P.K. wasn't a huge blitz guy, but I think under the circumstances made it more palatable for him to want to dial up some pressure.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's just got to – I think he was just trying to confuse the opposing pre-snap looks a little bit. And when the quarterback can diagnose exactly where the pressure is coming from, yes, it's still pressure, but it may not have the same effect – Right. And that's what happened with Donovan Smith. He knew where the pressure was coming from. It was organic pressure. Uh, so you needed to try to bring pressure from different spots, different levels, different angles. And he did that early on. They didn't do it much, though. I mean, it was just more on It was the timing of the pressure. They did it probably more on money downs early on. You saw them blitz. Um, I believe if I look at the first... Few money downs. Maybe the first five, they probably blitzed yeah. three of the first five. I talk about that little five, that little five least, minute pressure um, they
1: ran on that first third down. Yeah, so
2: they 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 did do it timely early on, but as the game progressively got out of hand, which happened really early on, I do think everybody got a little bit more conservative, and there was just no really no need for it really to take those types of chances on defense because the truth is, West Virginia's game plan was a lackluster game plan. They didn't really have a lot of juice. They couldn't run the ball, so they were one dimensional. J.T. Daniels didn't look like the ball was flying off of his hand. It just he he looked like he was struggling with his ball placement early on, and and really putting a lot of uh, kind of velocity on the ball, especially some of those. I mean, that that ball to Deshaun Jameson, man, that ball lofted up there. There was nobody in the wide in in the middle of the field. You could have thrown that out there deep for your wide receiver to run under it, and he threw it almost like a punt. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just it, it, West Virginia. Just they they were overwhelmed by Texas, and they they never recovered from the shell shock. And give Texas credit because Texas just put their hand on the throat of West Virginia, and the whole entire game basically, other than the first drive of the game for Texas, which they punted offensively that was the only time in the game where you felt like West Virginia was a threat to Texas. After that, West Virginia wasn't even a threat. Offensively, defensively, their rush defense, I said, was pretty stout. But their pass defense was so subpar that – It really did. Texas didn't even have to run the ball. Texas really didn't have to even depend on the run. So I'll give Texas a ton of credit, man, because basically that game was decided in the first five drives. First five drives for West Virginia, they had four punts and a turnover on downs. First five drives for Texas, they had one punt and four touchdowns. That's the game. Yeah. That was the game in a nutshell. The game was over after that. The game was over. Texas never had to put their foot on the throat, but they always kept their hand on their throat. All right, ready to choke slam them. And they just basically kept choke slamming them over and over again at, at any point during the game. So give Texas credit. They were in command of that game the entire game. Although, yes, in the second half, it was a more conservative approach offensively and defensively. Um, it wasn't like West Virginia presented any threat at all. I mean, truth is, yeah. looking at it right now, West Virginia. The way that the Big Twelve is recalibrated, I hate to say, it. West Virginia might be the worst team in the Big Twelve. I mean, you can make you have, you have that conversation right now, yeah, based I on agree. the re, the recalibration of the Big Twelve with Kansas and Kansas State and TCU, uh, the Purple Kryptonite being back, and hell, Oklahoma better be careful; they might be in the conversation too. My point I is, I see Iowa State we'll West see.
1: Virginia as being a rock fight of epic proportions. <laughs> Uh, it year.
2: could be, bless you. I think I think Matt Campbell's a better coach than Neil Brown, so I'm gonna give
1: uh, Iowa State. Is them. Neil Brown gonna make it to that game? Exactly. I don't, know that game I don't even. That's what I'm
2: saying. Like, I, I think that's what I'm saying. West Virginia might be in that conversation right now as the worst yeah. team in the Big Twelve, but not that the Big Twelve is bad because that's not a terrible or bad football team. The Big Twelve, which is just one of the most competitive leagues in the country, if not the most competitive league in the country, I don't, the Sun Belt. Is the only league probably as competitive as the Big 12, where you can say uh, right now four, five, six teams potentially could end up winning this conference, and it wouldn't
0: surprise anybody. Yeah, I just showed Jeff pre uh, pre show, but Bill Connolly has the Big 12 almost caught up to the SEC thus far this season, like uh, well ahead of the Big Ten. And I mean, right now his rankings has Texas five in OU six. The SP so that's plus just on Pepper, yeah.
2: Yeah, oh,
0: well, see, now, now, I don't believe in his rankings because
2: <laughs> I gotta tell you, well, not well, it's partly because, but mostly because of Oklahoma's defense. I mean, that that's defense should be dragging Oklahoma's rating down into the gutter. Oh,
0: it has because it them down,
2: right? I mean that, o- oof, that Oklahoma defense. I I've not seen Oklahoma defense that worse for wear in a really really long time, and they are struggling.
1: Yeah, he
0: still has some preseason projections that are factored in that okay. impacted a little bit, but oof. yeah, with Texas, the reason why Texas is up as five is he had the most improbable loss in all of college football, and with then the you're Texas right there with the, o- with the Alabama. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point,
1: uh, Rod. You I meant- see why
2: Texas is up there, but yeah. Oklahoma is what I don't see.
1: Rod, you mentioned West Virginia's inability to run the football. I loved looking at Bill Connelly's advanced box score. I, I just love this uh, percentage of West Virginia's runs that went for five plus yards at 18 and a half percent of their runs. Uh, right. They got nothing. I was
2: surprised. Like I was surprised they were shut down and so one dimensional so early. Yards, they, they had yeah. nothing to spark the running game.
1: Yards before contact per rushing attempt, 0.8.
2: And that's on the interior D line of Texas, man. Like you, that, I would say that interior D line for Texas is, is pretty damn stout with Keandre Coburn, Devondre Sweat. Byron Murphy playing really well, too. I mean, that that group And Ojemo. The Ojemo out there because he had a good game coming back, too. Those four in the middle, it's it's tough. They're tough to run through. It's really tough to run through that group. You almost have to attack the edges. And the edges are not a, a liability like they were last year, but you're almost forced to do it. Yeah, and there's nowhere
0: in, else to run. There's no running room inside. EPA per play success rate, takes Texas tenth best against the run in the country.
2: Yeah, and it's it, it starts in that interior D line, man. PA, those guys, some uh, those guys are getting some uh, NFL scouting attention now. They're yeah. playing so well.
1: Devondre Sweat seems like the guy that's kind of shooting up the oh, scouts' just so boards. Big. Yeah, so naturally, so big. You, yeah, as athletic as he is, yeah. as a basketball player in high school, really good athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember talking to his high school head coach, uh, Rodney Southern, over at Huntsville, who he was at. Uh, he was at Coppers Cove when they were putting guys like Vontez Duff and Peanut Tillman. Oh yeah. Uh, big time guys. Mm-hmm. And at the time he told me, he said, he said, I'm telling you, he's like Devondre Sweat's as good or better than any of those guys were. You know, his sophomore going into his junior. Looks just like of right of now his, his he, trajectory. he's, he's showing it.
0: Get that old Spice showing it. I know they had Montez sweat just off his last name. was <laughs> but I, You know, we, <laughs> t-
1: we talked about this, Rod. We talked about this all offseason. Uh, the nature of this Texas defense is when things go right, Gary Patterson's going to get all the credit. When things go wrong, Pete is going to get all the blame. Unfortunately. Uh, but, man, get props to this Texas defense. Even the Texas Tech game, I said, look, man, in today's college football, if you're allowing 4.8 yards per play, that's going to keep you in a lot of games oh, because yeah. you're just not giving up explosive plays. And for this Texas defense, the two the two numbers I want to point out, yards per play allowed. Last year, Texas was one of the worst in school history, 6.03 yards per play allowed. This year, Rod, the Texas defense is the top 25 defense in the country in yards per play allowed, 4.73. Yeah, Very top 25 defense. Yards per carry allowed. I think that was either the worst or the second worst in school history last year. Uh, This year, 3.28. You're top 35 in the country in yards per rushing attempt allowed.
0: Yep, and just overall, if you look at Bill Conley as Texas at 23rd best defense, if you look at PFF, grades out as the 13th best defense. And if you look at, since you're talking about the rush game, opportunity rate, 8th best in the country. Yeah. No, it's a and I do think they're doing
2: some different things. I think it's all about situation specific play calls. Remember, even after that Texas Tech game, what they say they are gonna work on. We're working on third and fourth down calls. The if you go watch the defense, it does change on third and fourth down. They're more aggressive. They uh they're a little bit more creative, they're a little bit more elaborate. You can see then they're uh third downs where they'll move uh <clears throat> over Gofu. Uh, you know, Jalen Ford and uh, all Marvin Overshown, DeMarvin Overshawn, all from the same side, yeah. right? Rushing from the same side, then running twists and stunts with guys, with those guys. So they're doing a lot more creative things on third and fourth down. On first and second down, the standard early downs, I mean, they're pretty vanilla. I mean, they don't really do much at all. Yeah. Um. And I think as the season goes on, teams will start to attack Texas with, and maybe the sample size right now is long enough, like I said, I thought the West Virginia game plan. West Virginia tried it. They just, they were so out of sync so early on. Graham Harrell, I wouldn't doubt if it comes out later on that he's got an injury or something. He just didn't look right. You
1: mean JT Daniels?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry. Why do I keep saying Graham Harrell? It
1: JT, J.T. Daniels.
2: He's the OC. He's uh, the OC, my bad. I apologize. JT Daniels, he just didn't look right. Uh, So I wouldn't doubt if he was an injury or something with JT Daniels, but his ball placement was off early on. Didn't have a lot of a ton of velocity. He did get his groove later in the game, like as he seemed to warm up or something like that. Yeah, when so, they were down
1: twenty-eight nothing. Uh,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I said by then it was over. Um, but I yeah, I don't know. He just didn't. And the receivers dropped a couple of crucial passes early on on third downs on fourth downs. Uh, the the, the coverage was tighter for Texas, and I will say the pressure was there. But I the the West Virginia game plan, they tried the in breaking routes to attack the linebackers. But they just didn't do it efficiently enough. Texas linebackers are dropping b- better in coverage now, so they're they're really sh- trying to you know shorten and decrease these passing windows that were so big versus Texas Tech. But you still can get in there; like there's still yeah. a lot of places to attack at linebacker depth, right? The central nervous system is windows, mm-hmm. but the central nervous system right there in those big passing windows there. So that to me, if some team can do it right in between the safeties and the linebackers, that's where you attack Texas in the passing game. Uh, And I think that's where, if you go look at it, that's where teams have had the most success. It's kind of right there up the gut. And it's mostly just trying to, Uh, get the linebackers preoccupied, whether it's occupy their eyes with the RPO game, whether it's uh, play-action pass, whether it's misdirection. Um, And it's not really the linebackers fault. I mean, it's only so much you can do. Most linebackers are vulnerable in coverage. So I think that's where I would attack Texas, right there. I would run a lot of bunch formations and flex formations, condensed sets, because – Ryan Watts is really good at playing bump and run coverage on the boundary side. And he's done a good job of almost canceling out wideouts at times with some of his uh, really good tight coverage and redirecting wide receivers. He's so long, you can. You know, you can take advantage of him downfield because of his hips. They're not really fluid, but it takes you so damn long to get around him at the line of scrimmage, and he does a good job of trying to get his hands on guys. I would try to avoid that altogether. Bunch formations, condensed sets, flex formations, just to, so you can attack him downfield and not to worry about him getting his hands on you. I'd also, man, i throw more deep balls. Texas is better at defending the deep ball, but you'll notice those PIs come up when mm. Texas is defending deep balls. It's not really Texas' fault. Officials are just really ticky-tacky on that call period these days, and I do think teams will try to attack Texas – on the deep balls because what they're playing is they're playing out of phase a lot. I don't know if that's what they're being taught. Out of phase is basically when you're out of position. So you play the eyes and you play the hands of the receiver. Mm-hmm. And when you're in phase, you're in good enough position where you're almost hip to hip with the receiver. You can feel the receiver. You're so close to him with your opposite hand. And you can turn back and play the football. So they're not in phase a lot. You notice they're yeah. always looking at the receiver when they're playing the deep balls. Mm-hmm. That, gives, that gives you – I mean –
0: Bells it puts you a at a disadvantage. Throw.
2: It puts you at a disadvantage in a lot of ways, but it also leaves you more open and prone to getting PI calls against you because you're playing the receiver and the official knows any contact. You're not playing the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, I know you can't usually when you're looking back at the ball, you can say, "Hey, I'm playing the ball," so there. That's how I justify the contact. So I think that. But I'm being nitpicky here and yeah. trying to figure out ways to attack Texas. But if you have a dual threat quarterback, I think that's the other way. You you got to weaponize wow. your dual threat quarterback against Texas. You do that and. Those was kind of my my four- to five-step process just already about how I would go after Texas. And I don't think West Virginia did enough of that. They can only do so much of it, but they didn't do enough of it.
1: The one time that they tried uh, attacking at the second level, Rod, they ran that crosser with Sam James kind of early in the game. And he dropped the ball like he mm-hmm. had room to run. I mean, he
2: got one early, though, remember? A deep one.
1: He did, but yeah. they, they ran. I remember they ran that shallow, that yep. little drag. He dropped and- it. It, I, it was like a. I want to say it was like a third and yeah, right. Six. Short.
2: It was like third, and medium, third. And he would have
1: gotten the first down. He had plenty of room to work, but he just dropped the ball. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Rod, going into the uh, going to the West Virginia game, I charted pretty much teams attacking Texas in the middle of the field. Uh, basically, this is throws up to 19 yards down the field in between the numbers. I just PFF doesn't mm-hmm. sort this out for you. You just kind of go got to go find yeah. the numbers and add them up. Uh, opposing quarterbacks again up to 19 yards down the field in between the numbers. Posing quarterbacks, 59 of 73. It's about 81% completion rate, mm-hmm. 507 yards. 31 of the 46 passing first downs Texas had allowed were in that area, yeah. up to 19 yards.
2: In yeah, that's why you attack Texas. It's pretty yeah. obvious. That's, that's, what, that's who you go after. It's hard to attack Texas on the perimeter in the passing game, man. They're fast. They fly to the football. And that's another thing, how I would attack Texas. You saw UTSA do it, and Texas Tech didn't do it enough. I would go with a ton of misdirection but also double moves, slant and goes, hitch and goes, anything to make their fast flow pursuit and aggressive pursuit work against them. Yeah. And some teams will already start doing this, but they're, they're so fast at the football, which is awesome. You love to see that. But there are ways to make that work against them and the double pass to UTSA, things of that nature. Like that's I would if, if you have time. You may not have time to go into double moves and slant and goes or the stalk block and go. Those things. And Texas has already been exploited on that already a little bit, but that's just because teams have seen how aggressive they are, which is a good thing to the football.
1: Yeah. And I think to add on to that, as you look forward to the Oklahoma game, I think you just said it. Are they going to be able to do some of that stuff? Because they got injuries on the offensive line.
2: I don't know if they, I don't either. even know who's
1: going to start a quarterback for them. As we sit here right now and record this, Brent Venable says they got three guys taking reps, but Dylan Gaber is a concussion protocol. What is, mm-hmm. what do, quote-unquote reps mean for him yep. at this point. You can
0: technically be in protocol and practice and not play, too.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's happened Maybe. many times. But, yeah. again, if he's still in protocol, that I means you've got to get one of those other two guys ready, either General Booty or both. or Davis Bevel. you got to yeah. get both of them ready. And yeah.
0: they're both not good. <laughs> yeah,
1: so – and, I mean, that wide receiver group, I mean, does anybody outside of Marvin – I mean, is Theo Weiss going to play? Does anybody outside of Marvin Mims even worry you at this point? Uh, No, actually. And that's what you were talking no.
0: – when you were talking about they the don't. linebackers, that's the big thing I was sort of wanted to wait till OU, but uh, I'm going to pull up all of his numbers on the year, but just last game against TCU because Mims, he's another guy that fits that – Kills zone and does nothing against man profile. He's 5.37 yards per route run against zone, which is out of this world. He's right at it for a small sample, but it's a tenth of a yard against man this year. He's barely faced any man because he's always in the slot. Mm. And then look at last year. Use 2.88 against zone against man. If you can, and I wanted to ask Rod first off, if you think we have any slot corners good enough to man him, but even if not, if you look at just his numbers against TCU, first cornerbacks, eight targets, two receptions, eight yards. Against linebacker safeties, two targets, two receptions, 32 yards. Yeah, Their whole game with him, he torches everybody, but he can't beat corners. So do you think Texas has a corner that can follow him? into the, the nickel, slot. or are we going to end up having to have some linebackers in good coverage and just try to beat him? But he has torched everybody his whole career that way. Yeah, I mean,
2: Texas has – they trust their slot corners, though. I will say More than that anybody, that yeah. anybody. They, yeah. they do. Gale, they though, trust yeah. those guys, and they very rarely shadow what they call just a, yeah, exactly. a corner – Moving if with a, a situation, wide receiver. this is it, though. Yeah, if there's a situation, this is it. I doubt they do it at all. Oh, I wish Deshaun Jamison they,
1: had gotten some work at nickel at some point. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> but only because they Maybe don't have to worry, really, about other threats on the Oklahoma offense. They probably will just decide, hey, man, whoever is, is covering that guy will either – Shade, or we'll keep an eye out, right? We'll just make sure. Hey, we got we pay special attention to that guy. It's not like you have to worry about three or four different threats on that Oklahoma yeah. offense. It's probably one guy you got to worry about. That's pretty easy to take him away and force somebody else to beat you. Yeah, somebody so far, who's an unproven commodity.
0: today Barron, this year, when in coverage in the slot, has only allowed an NFL passer rating of sixty eight point nine. It's been 24 targets, 19 receptions for 113 yards and a pick, no touchdowns. So he's the one corner that's been well above average whenever asked to cover in the slot. Gilbo's given up a 86 passer rating. That's about average. It's 13 targets, 10 receptions, 63 yards. Jaron Thompson out of the safety. Him and mm. Anthony. Well, Jaron Thompson's been really good in yeah. limited amounts. Seven targets, three receptions, 16 yards. Uh, Keaton Crawford has a handful of of snaps there mm-hmm. and it looks like anthony cook anthony cook's given up uh eight targets seven receptions, 53 yards about a 94 passer rating but nothing big yeah
2: no i um i really do i trust the texas secondary for the most part largely in coverage against oklahoma i think because i think they yeah. they match up pretty well with oklahoma um i don't think oklahoma has a ton of threats they have to worry about they don't have a lot of speed on no. the perimeter right now so I yeah, and Weese
0: is the only other I'd say above average guy, and he's their one man beater guy yeah. that always performs better against man. But he and, may be dinged up
2: And Texas plays man for probably half the time. I mean, so they're not strictly a, a man team no. or a zone team either way. I think it's kind of a matchup based team. I mean, yeah,
1: seriously, Paris, especially if Weese is out, Drake Stoops might be might be the next receiver threat you're really worried about.
0: And he's mainly a slot guy, yeah, but he's a guy that is the opposite of Mims. But I will say, well, oh man. if you're looking for
2: somebody to work that, you know, we're talking about that intermediate passing area, that second-level area right there where those linebackers roam, he'd be one of those guys. So if, I, if I'm Texas, I would fortify my pass defense in the area where I'm weakest because I know that Oklahoma might try to attack that. And, yeah, I could pay special attention to whoever they deem as their number one target But other than that, yeah, I mean, it's Oklahoma's offense without Dylan Gabriel just doesn't scare you. This no. is nothing for Texas no. to be truly concerned about.
0: And even, it was just a small sample, but even against TCU, Dylan Gabriel was off. He had had some open receivers early that he could have hit, could have hit Mims for what would have been a touchdown in the first quarter whenever, before he got knocked out. He had two or three throws that I but know he can he can run, though. Back. That's what I worry oh, yeah, about him sure. with Texas. He's, he's and all really those
2: quarterbacks good. versus Texas have given, and by the way, they give every defense problems, but dual threat running quarterbacks that give Texas a Agreed. lot of issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's still, I mean, this, he this, changes everything.
0: It's the toughest exactly. matchup
1: for any defensive coordinator. It's still kind of the one thing PK hasn't really figured out. I mean, Was well,
0: nobody's figured it out. Right. So really.
1: the, the, the OU game last year is a perfect example, right? Spencer Rattler's in a game. Your game plan works. It works so well. It knocks, gets mm-hmm. him benched. And then Caleb Williams comes in and pretty much takes over the game at that point. Uh, Rod, I'll bring this up, though. When we talk about how you can attack Texas, yeah, the receiver threats, the wide receiver threats for OU aren't that great. Uh, Eric Gray at running back is our highest graded receiver according to PFF. Mm -hmm. He got hurt last game. It sounds like they're going to get Marcus Major back this week too. So, again, Alabama did it. We saw Tech do it a little bit. The running backs in the passing game, if I'm Jeff Lebby and that staff, that might be where I just try to decide, look, I'm just going to – we'll get MIMS open where we can. I'm going to devote most of my game plan, my resources, to seeing if these Texas – make these Texas linebackers cover my running backs one-on-one in
2: space. Yeah. I mean, I would – I'd do it. I don't know the – the tight ends for Oklahoma are really. They got Brain
1: Willis, yeah, but yeah,
2: I don't know if they're like a priority in the offense now, though, um, mm-hmm. in the way they run it. So, but I, I'm with you. I would. I just that's one of the. I think what's going to be a key trend for Texas defensively this year is how much those linebackers improve in coverage. I mean, it's just watching the 49ers uh, versus the rams mm. and 49ers beat the rams. Warner. The 49ers defense is the best arguably in the NFL and it's because they're linebackers. Yeah. They got Dre Greenlaw, they got Fred Warner. This this actually this season they've actually played half of their snaps with 40 personnel, three linebackers on the field cuz they got linebackers that can that can roam and cover in space. Yeah. So why not? And they can hold up against the run. It's it's a rarity, but when you get linebackers that are that freakish, it it could really turn your defense into a high performing defense. Most linebackers are vulnerable and are a liability in coverage. That goes across, that's all of football, at at every level of football. But the, the, the more you can train them to be comfortable in space, to be spread babies. It'll it'll help your defense immensely, and I think that's going to be big for Tech. Jalen Ford has already proven that he's the real deal. <laughs> no question, that guy's going to end up being your leading tackler. Uh, and we know Demarvin overshone he should be probably your most adept in coverage because he's a former okay safety. Uh, yeah, he's been all right. And Diamante Tucker Dorsey should also be it, you know, an asset in coverage because he's undersized and he's a, he's a speed guy. Um Jay, they'll, they'll go after Jalen Ford and they'll go off the other linebacker. So Jalen is really kind of the focal point, I think, of it. Him getting better and dropping back in coverage to shrink those passing windows.
0: Yep, and last night, Warner was defending Cup in the end zone. Oh, Pat, man. Pat breaking Dude. up balls is crazy. So Dude, good. But, yeah, yeah when you brought that up. It made me think of Eric Gray because Eric Gray, their top – Premier back also left with an injury, and there's been no update I haven't seen anybody I don't even think it was addressed at the press conference because I listened to most of venables and nobody asked him about it. interesting, yeah, he yeah. left in like the early third quarter, okay, <laughs> man. That's just uh. <laughs> yeah, their whole team got hurt.
2: Yeah, I, I know. It actually makes me a little anxious. I hate that Oklahoma seems so you know broken down and beaten down, losing two in the road to purple kryptonite. You know, sometimes guys, you go into this game, you know, back up against the wall, fight or flight, and mm. it's all fight, and you you know I, I, you might end up getting. Oklahoma's best effort they've had this year.
1: You should plan on
2: it. Uh, You're right, just because they know – they're listening to what everybody's saying about them. They got no shot at all, and that they're they're embarrassing. It's the second time since 1999 that Oklahoma's lost back-to-back regular season games. Yeah. Um, Last time they did, though, I think they won
0: the Big 12, so – and or then of, this yeah. <laughs> is reminding me of like in 2013 when Texas had no shot against Oklahoma. And then uh-huh. they came exactly. to flip back around. Yeah, exactly. And if you even look at the betting lines, this is what's crazy. OU in the yeah, summer this was wild. opened up as a seven-point favorite. June 4th, it was down to four and a half. July 21st was the first time there was an over-under in a line. It's down to two and a half OU, 62 and a half over-under. So that's the final score projected. The implied totals, 32 and a half, 30. <laughs> But then this week it flipped around. Texas up to 5.5 favorite and 65-point total, so going up and up. Now Texas implied for 35.25 to 29.75. Then it moved to 6.5. Today it's moved to 7. So now Texas is favored 36.25 to 29.25. Texas has went up 8.5 points since the summer. OU's went down Five and a half. That's a 14 two, point swing. Wow, two and still, 87% of the money yeah. is on Texas. Only 68% of the bets, but 87% of the money, which scares me as a better. Normally, if I see yeah, something around like 90, go the I go to the other you side. Go the right side of now, it. hopefully, it's just like a seven point game, and Texas still can cover that. Wow. It's still pretty crazy to see a Texas OU game swing like that.
1: I mean, Matt, you mentioned wow. 13. The game I keep thinking about, I thought about it all week. Is the 15 game because you think about go yep. back to 15, Texas was coming off a game in Fort Worth that they lost 50 to seven, and if Gary Patterson wanted it to be, it could have it could have been 90 to seven mm-hmm. if he wanted it to be.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, and you remember like the that Monday there was Dylan Haynes and Charles Amena who were tweeting mm-hmm. back and forth at each other. Chris Boyd's tweeting in the half at in the locker room at oh, halftime the that. game, and it's like That's how brutal. in the hell is this team going to be anywhere close to ready to play on Saturday? And they end up winning the game. They, they end saying. up crazy winning things the game, happen, man. Especially
2: in this game, we've
1: seen it. We remember watching when yeah. Texas was a what
2: a double digit underdog in the game ends yeah. up winning. Like crazy things happen in this game, man. Don't,
1: Texas fans, don't be sark with the defense and lull yourself into a false sense of security.
2: <laughs> Understand that weird stuff in this game weird happens. Weird Stuff happens, man. It's wild. So, and neither one of these quarterbacks has started this game.
1: No, no, no quarterback in this, of yeah, right. this it's game has started Yeah, right. Card didn't
2: game. get any plans. He didn't even play, didn't did he? He not play last year. And then Dylan uh, Gabriel's first time.
1: Quinn Ewers was at Ohio State. Quinn Ewers was at Ohio State. And whoever Was they General play, Booty was on the Davis run. Bevel was at Pick. Yeah, exactly. And, and Booty. Sorry, I don't know where General Booty was at this time last that's, year. That's actually rare, too, to have
2: neither quarterback, neither side have a quarterback with Hutchins any Carden experience at all. At least he was there.
1: He's the only
2: one. Yeah, at he was there.
1: I think the last time you had that happen – uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say it was the 15 game with Baker, Mayfield, Gerard Hurd.
0: That makes sense. That would make
2: sense, actually. I think you could be right, bro.
1: Because 16 it was Baker and right. Sam. 17, yeah. or Baker yeah. and Shane. 17 mm-hmm. was Baker and Sam. 18 was Kyler and Sam. 19 was Sam uh-huh. and Hurts. Hurts, yeah. 20 was Rattler and Sam. Last year right. was, yeah, last year was Rattler and Casey Thompson. Right. Yeah. Good job. Man, yeah, it has been a while. Which, by the way, was a monumental upset because Jeff Traylor and Jay Norvell put together a hell of a game plan. That was an awesome game plan. Who knew?
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, they I start, mean, I so rushing. we'll see if <laughs> yeah, if uh, Jeff Levy and Brent Venables can put together a hell yeah, of a game plan. Texas won a,
1: Texas won a rushing battle in that 2015 game. Texas won a rushing yardage battle, three thirteen to sixty seven.
0: Mm. That's a
1: big. Most shame. of that was Deontay Form with that 81 yard run, but who cares? They still wanted 313 to sixty. No, 67. they
2: punked Oklahoma in line, on yeah. the line of scrimmage that day. I remember that.
1: Uh, which, so, Rod, we talked about the Texas defense last week, and I just made the comment, and, and that was kind of my theory for the Tech game. Sark just lulled himself into a false sense of security, thinking he could trust the defense, play complimentary football, and it didn't work. Has your trust factor in this defense in one week changed at all? Do you look at the Tech game any different?
2: Um,. I I've always felt that he should you know operate with an extreme philosophy that you know I'm just trying to get to 45 points I'm trying to get to 45 you know it's kind of a race to 45 to 50 points I think and I think he should at even at times maybe forsake the defense for the purpose of scoring as many points as possible that's And that's how I think Texas is going to win games this year. Defense. Yeah, and I, that's why I think you should go for it on fourth down more. I I think, you know, this offense is a high octane offense, especially if you're talking about adding Quinn Ewers back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the offensive line is going to get better and better because you've got two true freshmen starting on it. The defense, it listen, the defense is much improved. There's no question about it. It is much improved. But I need to see it up against some of this elite Big 12 uh, personnel and some of this elite Big 12 offenses before I decide, all right, you know what, I, I would play complimentary football with this defense.
1: Yeah, here's something else I want to ask you, Rod. I just wonder, because you look at the play differential. Matt, you got me on play differential a few years ago, and I just mm-hmm. love tracking it now. You know, you were plus four in play differential in the Alabama game because your defense did the best job, I've seen a Texas defense, doing a long time of getting off the field on critical downs. They did. But UTSA, play differential, minus 25. Tech, play differential, minus 40. Play differential in the West Virginia game was minus 18. Now, a lot of that happened in yeah, the second he's half. he's already in here. You already had some backups in. I just wonder, when the play differential, the disparity's that big, I just wonder at some point, does that cumulative effect on your defense, maybe not the Oklahoma game, but do you get to that stretch where you've got Oak State, Kansas State, and thank goodness you've got a buy. In between going to Stillwater and going to Manhattan, does at some point like game eight, nine, ten, does that just start to add up where this defense gets worn down? Um, that's a, that's the one thing in the back of my head in terms of a negative question. or a question that I'm I'm wondering about.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a, that's fair. Mm-hmm. No question about it. I mean you can ask that. I, I think that's why they're trying to play a lot of guys. they rotating. I, I will see there. they are rotating guys in crucial situations yeah. in the secondary um, and on the defensive line at the linebacking core. So I think the hope is that they will have enough depth to be able to, you know, last the entire season with a high level of play. But you're right about that, play differential. That's good. And that, you know, the flip side, that's because the offense actually at times scores quickly. It's
0: been married to it. And if Texas can continue to be efficient and explosive – they can afford that because sometimes you're going to just inherently have a negative play differential yeah. if you're just getting explosive. But you have to maximize those, and that's why you can't have drives stall out or you can't have turnovers or things along those lines. You need to get the returns from it if you actually are going to go and put your defense in that situation.
1: Yeah. About with the Tech game, you lost that game basically on one sequence where you, get a four, you actually get a fourth down stop. But they end up flipping the field and get their next possession, a fresh, fresh possession at the plus thirty. It's basically part, a big part of the reason why you ended up losing that game.
2: Yeah, I, yeah that's a great point. I also, yeah, it thins th- your margin
1: for error when you play differential is what it is. It
2: is. I, I think for Sark, you have to kind of understand what the personality and the DNA of your football team is, which is also mm-hmm. you because your your team end up, ends up reflecting your personality and your leadership style. Sark is going to get off to a good start. We know that. We know that his scripts are amazing, extraordinary, excellent scripts to start off a game. So we know first quarter, quarter and a half for Texas – it's going to be impressive. We know that based on the sample stops from last year and even this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is about Texas in the second half making adjustments and when Sark has to go off-script pl- uh, calling plays and then win the chess match within the game and uh, the battle of adjustments with the other coach. So one thing Texas has to make sure they do, uh, Pete P- Kuklowski is doing a great job, by the way, lately, uh, PK and Gary Patterson, they got to make sure that defense also starts off hot. Like your defense cannot afford to start the way you started versus Tech.
1: Or the way UTSA. you started
2: versus UTSA. Or even after versus I've got some Bama, some
1: numbers, right? right? Here, because yeah.
2: Sark is going to come out gangbusters. He's going to mm-hmm. get you 10 on the board. He's going to get you 14 on the board early. And you are basically allowing the opposing team to, to squash and to nullify any momentum you may have or any cushion mm-hmm. you may have by you worrying a lot. Prior to that, you know that game versus West Virginia. In the three games prior to that, you allowed the opposing team to score on both of their first two possessions. Yep. You, uh, it was four touchdowns. No, six drives. I believe it was four touchdowns and two field goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and Sark starts so fast, but yeah, you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't have as much of an impact with the momentum and with the psychology of the game, and even forcing your opponent into desperation, which they did with West Virginia. They got forced to desperation quickly. They're like, man, we're down. We're down three scores, we are about to yeah. get mad and twenty one off the stick here. We got to start, you know, throwing the ball. And once they start throwing the ball, they're one dimensional. Boom, works into the whole, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the basically the psychological, uh, basically element and impact of Sark's opening script, forcing teams to try to keep up. Yeah. Cause you got you got to like man, I can't listen. I can't fall behind. Cause man, if I fall behind, the game is gonna be over, and I, it forces teams into a point of desperation. So that's why the defense in that game versus West Virginia, starting off forcing West Virginia on their first five drives to punt four times and a turnover on downs. The fifth time, the game was over. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that could be the case, and I'm not saying every time Texas is going to have to deal with a team having a surge in the second half. But yep. you can put a team out of their misery pretty early on if you get them down 21, 28 points. Now so I Texas showed you last year. I know it was ex- exactly right. So I, I, I'm just saying, don't Go allow them Taylor to match Williams. you. Don't right. allow them to match you early, and it'll give you at least a better cushion. We don't assume, even though last year this is where it all started, and this is why Sark can exercise the demons, because this is where it all started. This is where people start that's, talking about your fourth quarter week, collapse, Brock. your second half collapses, your, your lack of adjustments. This is where every uh, negative narrative about Sark started. It was in- this mm-hmm. game and this is where you exercise those demons in the um, second half it, it in the second half yeah it just makes you because i think in the first half we all know yeah. he's gonna start strong all right but you got to finish strong and i think part of that is the defense doing their part to start as strong as the offense does
1: yeah to your point rod so i went back and tracked it alabama utsa and texas tech uh alabama's first two drives 138 yards and 10 points out of those first two drives, 11.5 yards per play. Now, again, Jameer Gibbs had that 81 or Jace mm-hmm. McClellan, excuse me, had that 81-yard touchdown run. That skews a little bit, but they did get a field goal on their first drive and extended that drive. Yep. UTSA's first three drives, which did include the the sudden change on the onside kick and the double pass, uh, but UTSA's first three drives, uh, 191 yards, 17 points, 8.7 yards per play. Texas Tech first two drives. Uh, Thirty-one plays, one hundred fifty-eight yards, fourteen points, mm-hmm. five point one per play. But to your point, Rod, that's what Joey McGuire decided. Look, we can't fall behind. We just go. got to be in four down territory the whole damn game.
2: Yep. And yep. and Jeff Trailer had a similar mindset with the onside kick early, mm-hmm. yeah. and then the trick plays like no, 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 no. I know Sark, so I can try to put me out this damn game, or we can't let that happen because we know Texas. If we stay in it long enough, yep. we got a shot. Yeah. Because Texas, they'll they'll su- slowly but surely we can gain ground in the battle of adjustments over the last two quarters of the game. But you got to survive the surge. West Virginia never survived the surge. If you don't survive this surge, the Sark surge, you're done. Yeah, you're done. And the only way to help that is that defense to also they got to gamble early on too, and they did. First West Virginia, they got they gambled early on, right? They started they, they threw out some exotic looks early on, and they held West Virginia to just you know four punts and. One turnover on downs those first five drives, and Sark was able to deliver some haymakers early on. That's what you gotta hope for the Texas blueprint to win right now.
1: Because at that point, if you're West Virginia, if I'm if I'm and I say, "All right, I'm gonna stop blitzing," but if you want to go eighteen plays and sixty five sixty five and eighteen plays and burn seven and a half minutes off the clock, you're 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 down. you're down four touchdowns. Go right ahead. You're helping us. You're going to run out of time.
2: You're helping us actually yeah. with that. We need we need to drain some of this clock, and you're doing exactly what we need you to do. Our offense is resting on the side. They'll come back out. Your defense hadn't really stopped the Texas offense. Yeah. So how are you gaining ground here? Because you need explosive plays. You need to, be able to score quickly, and Texas ain't giving you that.
0: Yep. And that oh, means that, you're going to be out exactly. of the game. Yeah. And then right? if you look at Texas, Texas is one of the few teams in the country that have the best. Now these are. Percentage of you getting your first down on first or second down. Mm-hmm. Texas does it seventy five percent of the time on offense, which is oh, 50. say that again. You get that. you don't even get to third down. Or oh, third okay, down. I gotcha. You get first. Lincoln down. Raleigh used to love this. Yeah, it yeah. never even gets a third down. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and this year they still don't much. It's only they're seventh in the country. Okay, but yeah. uh, Texas's defense is fifteenth in the country at limiting those and getting teams to not get first downs on first or second down. So that's the thing. Texas was obviously torched on fourth down by Texas Mm -hmm. tech. And that's the one thing where if you look anywhere on Oklahoma's profile offensively, they're 106th in the country on third and fourth down success. They have not been successful late downs. Wow. Texas defense is very solid on the front downs, so it really marries well together because that's the only way that you can beat a team like Texas that's performing so well yep. on early downs is being able to come through on those money downs, and that's why Texas has two losses, one to Bama. Money downs had a few big plays that's that came out, exactly. and the same thing against Tech.
1: I yep. remember Holgerson's last year at West Virginia. He was like that too. Like We looked at the numbers going into that game in 18. And it's like, dude, they don't even get to third down. Mm-mm. That, that was like game six or seven, and they had had like something like nine third down attempts all year.
2: Yeah, you're right. So yeah, people always talk about Texas, you know, have struggled on third down. I think going to the West Virginia game, they still were like getting what thirty five percent or something like that of their third downs yep. converting. Uh but as that point I would not say seventy five percent? Uh <laughs> first down's on first, first down. Second yeah. down for the offense. Yeah, there you go. So they don't even need to worry about third down that yeah.
0: much. They're just one out of four drives. Yeah. That's crazy. Um let's series. I'll
1: talk, talk about the offense from this standpoint. If this was it for Hudson Card, if Quinn Ewer starts in the Oklahoma game, this is the last start we see from Hudson Card for the foreseeable future. What a hell of a way to go out, man. 21 to 27, hey, me, me. 303 yards, three touchdowns. You know what's your night when he throws that prayer up and and, and mm-hmm. it's it was it's it's it was fascinating to see him gain confidence right like you could tell once he got in the rhythm. I man, he's climbing in the pocket, he's dodging rushers, he's taking shots down the field. Uh, The 44-yard touchdown to Worthy where it slips through the defender's hands just it glances off his hands, that was a hell of a job by Worthy as far as concentration goes to catch the ball. At that point, that's almost like the – the Case McCoy touchdown against OU or he drops into the bucket to Mike Davis. Like, dude, it's just your day at this point. It was point. his day. Oh, his yeah. awareness just in the your pocket's day.
0: got so much better. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, his climbing of the pocket, he's making plays. Like, he's doing like Joe Burrow type stuff when he climbs the pocket now. Like, keeping his eyes up while being a threat to run. Yep. And that was something he just didn't even do last year. But
1: still, you go back to the field goal drive right in the third quarter. It's the third game in a row where they've had a critical third and long. Actually... The fourth game in a row because he did it against Bama, he did -hmm. it against UTSA, he did it against Tech, and he did it in this game. Fourth game in a row where they've had a critical third or second and long, Mm -hmm. and he has a scramble that helps you move the sticks. Yeah, limping too. He's still. Yeah, I don't know why
2: teams haven't figured out that on third and longs that if he doesn't have his first or second read, he's going to run. I
1: think it's because at that point, every time I think it's because at that point they don't run him on design runs. No, it's almost like you forget about it.
0: Yeah. It's crazy as a defensive I mean, coordinator yeah. because
1: you got so much other stuff to worry about. It's like, are they going to if they get Bijan one on one or they got Worthy one on one, whatever? So. Tavian Sanders is a threat. You just got to deploy your assets to so many different areas. It's like, look, if that's mm. what if we give up a 17 yard scramble to Hudson Card, then so be it. If that's what beats us, then so be it. Well, but he's them. making them. Pay. I was gonna say it is beating them. I don't mm. know what
2: they're waiting. I, I don't yeah. know. I would at least keep a guy in the middle of the field because it's long ones, like you said. It's 17, 20 yard gains. So. Yeah. I'd at least leave us a guy in the middle of the field to play middle
0: field spy or to be a hole player. And if we get the QB room, the QB room is in a good spot if that's our backup quarterback going forward.
1: What I like about yeah, the offense. Leave along, what I like about the offense <laughs> yeah, going into this game <laughs> next year. Two things. One, Sark mentioned it after the game, and I really do believe it. The guys that play that needed to play well against West Virginia played well. X Men had over hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Taven Sanders had his best game statistically yeah. since the opener. Uh so you got those guys confident. But I love and I wanna throw this theory, Rod, because I kinda I got this on the Twitter machine and on the on the board too at Horns twenty four seven. Man, wasn't Sark tempting fate by leaving Bijan in the game in the last four and a half minutes after they recover the onside kick? No. Which, which heads up by Keelan Robinson, I said, You can make that argument. It's always a calculated risk, but I think that was Sark and, and you pointed out Rod Texas. They didn't really need to run the ball, but they hadn't run it well. Even if you no. take out the sack yardage and they hadn't run it well. and the big fumble, they were tw- they were twenty one for ninety one yeah. going into that last drive. Yeah,
2: give I'll give uh, West Virginia's rush defense some credit. They yeah, did a pretty good job. Yeah, secondary um, was just they were they were a mess. They're <laughs> bad. They're <laughs> bad on the back end. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I don't I don't mean to Running despair short, no, they they any bad. of their
1: defenders, but they're pretty, they pretty bad, bad on the but, back yeah. end. <laughs> uh, but that I think that was Sark turning to Bijan and and. <laughs> I don't think it was so much to get him over 100 yards as much as to say, look, just reinforce the fact, look, you took it on the chin with the overtime fumble last week. You're our best player. We're just going to line up. They know we're going to run it. I want you to line up, get downhill, and close this game out.
2: Close it out for us? I can see that, yeah. Um, I agree with you on that. I do think also if Bijan is going to be a Heisman finalist, right, because this year it doesn't seem that anybody is like, the front-runner for it right now. I mean, C.J. Stroud, probably is Caleb Williams, I'm sure is in the conversation. Jalen Daniels. Daniels is in the conversation. Um, but Bijan B.J. wants to make a push, you could. I mean, especially you got enough games and big games to do it. Uh, I think he wants to make sure there's not a, a hole on that resume, too. And when you have a, a, a running back, you're trying to push for the Heisman, yeah. and he's got a game with less than 100 yards rushing, it's always like, a, oh, well, that don't look well, good. And if you, I thought just you said he's a dominant good. player. Dominant player? Dominant player will get 100 yards in every game. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think he's also making sure, like, no, 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 I'm going to get him to this 100 just in case we make that push. That's not because people start poking holes in resumes of running backs of trying to get to a Heisman finalist, and that, that would be one of the holes they try to And think. I remember
0: him and Saban have talked about it for many years, you know, late in games, even at Alabama. They kept their guys in. Like they've That's been, true. They've earned it all week. They're my guys, and they run them until there's – about se- under seven minutes in the fourth, they may take them out. But they're going to play him that first half of the fourth quarter because even in modern college football, you can come back from 21 points like that. No, Especially it is, if you It's, get-
2: it's peculiar because you're so deep at running back. Yep. Yeah. you got you got another NFL running
0: back, Just Dan saying, Rojo, who, who he, literally –
2: Probably would be a better closer because he's so much more physical. And they had
0: been at Bama always, yeah. and it didn't matter, the lead guy always got it till the next no, guy. No, I'm just it's, saying. I say it's peculiar. I didn't yeah. say to you, their Luke history. it Just fits yeah. the evidence of what they what Sark's done in recent years.
1: Yeah, um, I'm with you though, Rod. The more I think about it, yeah. Because if you're if you're a Heisman voter, you probably no. didn't watch that game. Like no. there was no reason to watch it. Mm. But if you're looking at a resume, and like you said, Bijan, I mean, with the way TCU's playing. With the way Oklahoma State's playing.
2: Big game's K coming up. states a ranked
1: team. You got Baylor last game of the regular season. Kansas
2: game going to be a big game now. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if you have to make Adrian it to the Big Martinez 12 championship game. I so know. he's
1: going to have some. It's, it's weird to say like the Oklahoma game is the maybe it's one of the low, oh. least marquee games left on his slate in terms of opponent it stature. It is. It's,
2: it's not even the biggest game in the Big 12 this no. week. No. Game day's in freaking Lawrence for the first
0: time ever.
1: Wow. Texas Times OU Weekend, game days in Lawrence, man. Unbelievable. What a what a time to be alive. But I'm with you, a Heisman voter, if Bijan has a requisite number of big outings in some of those marquee mm-hmm. games, then they'll all they'll look they won't know that they'll be like, six of those carries came in the last four and a half minutes with an eighteen point lead but like, oh, 21 for one on one and a touchdown. Cool. Yeah, he did a good job. Exactly.
2: That's how they look at the end. I just mm-hmm. wants to make sure there's no hole in the resume. And he's right, that that I, I'm with you. I think Bijan He's got a chance to get to New York as a finalist because you got some big games coming up. And if he can be the reason you win those big games, unless yep. he pulling upsets, which you might have a chance to pull a lot of upsets, like those mm-hmm. Big 12 teams coming up, man, like you said, K State, Purple Kryptonite, Texas TCU, is going to be fam- ranked
1: in, or favored in
0: every game
2: and going then, and forward. And those teams likely to be ranked well, when you play Oklahoma State.
1: If you're Sart, if you're, you're going to get to Arlington, he's got to get to New York.
2: Oh, I like that. It's good. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That is. I like that.
1: Yep. I mean it's I think it's true. I think it's hundred percent the truth. Yeah. I don't think you can have one without the other.
2: Mm-hmm. You're not the, gonna have one without no, the other. No, I'm with you on that. I agree with that. And it's all about um how different ways you weaponize them and Stark's the perfect mind to do it.
1: Uh anything else then on offense? I just think the evolution of Jatavian Sanders is probably the thing. I know we're talking about it. I just don't think we can talk about it enough with how good he's been.
0: Keelan Robinson downfield catching balls in traffic.
1: Yeah, that's impressive yeah, too. No, the that's fact that Keelan's
0: like our highest graded receiver on a per play base, He's getting more than five yards per route run, which is crazy. And if you look at the A dot for uh for X Men now it's over twenty on the year, twenty point one, which is amazing. Like nobody has an A dot average depth of target of more. He yeah, was 20 almost twenty two
1: going into that game, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's sustained, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I'm with
2: you. I think Jatavian Sanders is probably the biggest um Surprise and pleasant surprise for Texas in the offense this season only because now you truly do have a mathematical equation that a defense cannot solve. They cannot load the box to stop Bijan double X man on the outside and keep a safety constantly over the top of JT Sanders who can threaten the seam and also threaten the threat vertical. Um, that you you know you had it in a sense with I say in New York we never really seen it come to fruition because he got hurt. But you cannot leave the middle of the field open, especially when Quinn come, Quinn Ewers comes back with J T. Samson because oh, he can make that throw. I think Hudson is hard for him to make that throw right down the seam. That's a tough throw, man. Right in that little bread box, right in that little you know, sweet spot in between the safeties, right over the linebackers um, with J T. Samson. We saw it from Quinn Ewers in the first damn game. Yeah. <laughs> with with J T Sanders and I think you'll see more of that. So you can't leave the middle of the field uh, wide open with J T Sanders either because he can hurt you there. So I think it does it adds a totally different dimension and element to the offense that honestly we haven't seen on the Forty Acres. I don't know, close like David five Thomas. six. David yeah, Thomas was last yeah, yeah David Thomas there. or something like that. I mean, it's Back been a, a while. complete guy. Yeah, Just a
1: complete tight end. Nearly a decade. Um, I'll throw this out there too. A couple things. One, Rod, I think your real bully ball package is. Short yardage. Not only do you bring Carrick in at tight end, but you get Coburn and Byron Murphy I in there as many that. blockers. That was nasty. He's not going to walk them they
2: didn't even try. They just <laughs> were like – You see, Coburn would just feel bad for the dudes so that came Murphy
0: imagine. had nobody to block. Yeah, they didn't even try. They yeah, were like, it's it done. Was,
1: wow. That was, uh, that was it. That was fun to see. Yeah. And then uh, – I forgot what the other point I was going to make was, but oh, hell, I'll think about it. Mm. No, I
0: was I happy to see Coburn in because early he looked dinged up, like in the game, and then he came in to lead blocks. So like back. told oh. me, I
1: was like, "Oh, he's good." You mentioned yeah. the middle of the field. If you can win this game, you get through this game. You do get Jaleel Billingsley back for Iowa State. Man, I forgot all about him. <laughs> it's crazy. So all about that. The dinner. combination of Ewers returning, you get Billingsley back for the Iowa State game. No better time than to get a guy who can threaten the scene against John Haycock's defense. Like, you can, I'm not saying this team is destined to go to Arlington, but you're starting to see, okay, now you're getting the pieces of, what we talked about in the offseason, that elite offense. You're going to have more of those pieces back starting this week and then definitely by the time you get to Iowa State.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I don't know how much they'll use your little buildings, honestly, though. I, I mean, I know they like them, but you, you're already starting to see the, the offense starting to come – you know, form its identity, if you will. Uh, and I think he likes Gonner Helm he's a better his bro- role. He's a better Locking. blocker than JT Sanders. You wanna put him out J T Sanders out there with um with J T with JT Sanders out there with Jaleel Billingsley? To me yeah, both those guys are obviously better, you know, pass receivers than they are blockers. So JT Sanders proven to be a really good
1: block, excellent block. Yeah, I know that was their play so going far. into the year, but I don't I don't think they saw there's no I don't think there's any way they could have seen Sanders being this this mud this close to a complete player this quick. Yeah, so yeah.
2: I, he doesn't come off the field. And that it basically that leaves open discussion: who's a better blocker, Helm or Billingsley? Billingsley's a better receiver, I imagine, but is he a better blocker
0: than him? I, guess it just, I know he's—he wasn't. It's that <laughs>
1: whole deal of what? What do you? What? What do you feel gives you a better chance to be who you want to be on offense? Gunner Helm's ability as a blocker, or Jaleel Billingsley's ability as a receiver?
2: And don't let it make you predictable though. Right. Don't have Billingsley out there every time you got a pass play out of twelve personnel. And then have gun a Helm out there every
0: time you run it damn yeah. ball out of 12 person. It'll yeah. help you to an injury to either of them because, you know, since Sanders is so good at both, he can back up whichever one you need if one were to be injured. Yeah. So That's at true. least it just has good depth there. You won't yeah. have a weakness in. We talk about these guys, even though Sanders is playing, like, I didn't look at the snaps last game, but the game before was 90% of snaps. So you're talking still about 10% when he's off, and then there's going to be, you know, half the snaps when Helms off. So there are available snaps if they want to keep in a 12-personnel package. Sanders
1: has played more snaps based on the PFF numbers. He's played more snaps than any non-lineman on this team.
0: Yeah, he plays the most on the field of anybody. Yeah, which means he likes him as a block. He's
1: almost a three hundred like two eighty two. Matt, I don't know if you got that in front of you. He's a two eighty two.
0: The West Virginia
1: up. game, I think yeah. that's the number I saw. We talked. I know we got to run. We talked about the ambush factor. Like, don't lull yourself into that sense of security, thinking oh, OU's terrible and you're just kicking. But I, I do think though, Rod, starting fast. There's no Caleb Williams, man. If you jump out on OU, fourteen nothing, ten nothing. If you can get and everything i've seen out of norman already this week is man the confidence of the team is fragile they're fragile they're oh, fragile how can it not be exactly man this might be one of those games man if you jump if you jump on them 14 nothing 17 nothing 7 20 21 3 something like that i don't right now i don't know that this ou team they don't have a Caleb Williams like they had last mm-hmm, year, no. where that can pull you out of that.
0: Be an onslaught like it was last I mean, week against TCU. You've yeah. just
1: got to come out. If I if I'm Sark, that's my. I don't I don't try to see wait till second half adjustments. I'm trying to bury them in the first eight to ten minutes.
2: I agree. It should be on, bo- on
1: all 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 phases.
2: Yeah. No, I'm with the first half should look alike the first half of last year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> where you yeah. get up on them and you get up on them big and this time it shouldn't be a surprise to everybody because everybody understands that Oklahoma is they right now there seem to be a broken program just for the time being they will recover of course but right now Texas needs to take advantage of that Yeah, yes. um, and I think Sarek yeah, I'm with you. I think he gets it. I think the defense understands it, too. I wouldn't doubt if they come out with probably the most aggressive game plan they've had all year long, offensively and defensively, to do exactly what you said. Let's make Oklahoma fold up and, you know, let's basically make them yo uncle in the yeah. first half.
0: If you can put up 70, put up 70. Just keep going Just keep all going. It'd Be one of those games, a statement game. You need them because you have two losses already, and it's your rival, and you should want to beat the hell out of anybody.
1: I'll I'll tell I'll say what this game needs to be, and I'll reference it by um one of my favorite boxing fights ever. Roy Jones Jr., I think it was his first loss. He lost a fight to Montel Griffin. Hit him after the bell, got disqualified, lost a fight. Like let one slip away. And Rod, you know, Roy Jones Jr. is not a big knockout guy. He wasn't no. a guy that was gonna try to end it early. Mm-hmm. Pull it up. Go down the YouTube rabbit hole. Pull it up. It's it's Jones, Jones and Roy Jones Jr. and Montel Griffin too. Yeah. It was a TKO in the first round. <laughs> like, that was Roy Jones saying, there ain't going to be no can-you-go-the-distance. I'm going to get this over as early as I possibly can. Probably the most aggressive Roy Jones fight you'll ever see. He was he was going going for the knockout punch from mm-hmm. the opening bell. Haymaker. Sark needs to be Roy Jones Jr. in that second fight. Tr- just try to knock them out as fast as possible. I, Don't I'm, give them any hope.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, especially because it's going to be a, likely a backup quarterback and their ego, self-esteem will be fragile anyway. So all you got to do is force them into a negative mindset early. Don't let them start making plays early because then they'll start to believe and have faith that they can mm-hmm. go out there and make plays against sex. No, they need to have a negative mindset from the jump that, oh, man, this is going to be a Sisyphean task that I, basically there's no way that we're ever going to be able to overcome uh, all of our you know, uh, shortcomings, if you will.
1: For the record, the second Jones Griffin fight lasted 151 seconds. Jones recorded the first knockdown twenty seconds into the fight. <laughs> yep. There
2: you go. Get it done, man.
1: That's that's what I want to see on Saturday. Foot
2: on the throat. I'm I am i am with you. It shouldn't it, it Texas should have a significant lead by the time we get to the second half. Because if they did- don't, then we we know something went wrong.
1: Yeah. There's going to be, gonna gonna be problems
2: in the second half. Something went wrong if they don't have a significant lead. I don't even know what my definition of significant is, but they should have a significant lead by the
0: second half. Yeah, and if things go wrong, the show will be a lot more like last week's show and not as much like this week.
2: Well, that's how you show growth, though, right? If this yep. team actually has grown, and I think we've seen some growth, uh, they understand that their opponent is weak right now and they're fragile and they're wounded. Are you going to go out there and underestimate them, or are you going to go out there and play to a standard and essentially you know, put your foot in the throat, put the nail in the coffin early and often?
1: Can yeah.
0: <laughs> cat play with your food, or are you going to be a dog?
1: Yeah. Well, you guys ever killed a snake before? I've killed a couple. When you kill a snake, do you just kind of, well, I think it's dead. Do you just leave it a chance? No. Nah. You make sure that snake is dead, 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 you 100% do gone if it's a rattlesnake running. you
0: cut the head off because they can still strike you <laughs> while they're dead <laughs> that's no lie but i, I like played that. a trick on people Just, man it was texas ou weekend i think 03 <laughs> when you chop the head off and then tell somebody to come grab a dead rattlesnake and it'll still bite that's where I, that's, that's where that's <laughs> where i'm at though that's where i'm at if you don't, like that
1: if you don't do that then it's a game in the second half and i given the history of this program oh, yeah. under sark i don't like your chances of finishing them off in a tight game in the second half.
2: I agree. It shouldn't be a game. It, it except you should have a significant advantage in the second half. And that is the time you exercise the demons of where all of this this negativity and the bad narrative started about Sark, where his inability to make adjustments, no fourth uh, you know, being able to collapse, actually collapse in the fourth quarter in the second half after having these big leads. Get the big lead and then finish them.
1: And when <laughs> faith was lost in PK. Was this game last uh, year? Yeah, you I give up almost 700 yards. Right. Yeah, you're probably that. right about that too.
2: I know. So I'm saying this is the game. Like you, if, if there's a letdown here for Texas, then we know the there has been growth, but it has been minimal. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not. It's not the growth that, we, that that's needed to be a championship squad or shit.
1: Yeah. All right. That's gonna do it, Matt. Thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn. One o four nine one o one nine AM twelve sixty. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on Ball on Live from three to seven. Same as Buck. You can also get myself and Craig White each and every weekday on Light the Tower from ten to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns twenty four seven anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Horns two four seven no dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.